airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. Is this okay? Is, yeah. Is it positioned? Okay, great. And, uh, and, and, and boy, do we appreciate you tuning in. Want to let you know that you can connect with us in several different ways, kind of as a refresher. You can go to AFR.net yes. and get podcasts of the show. We mm-hmm. always put show uh, links in there. That's right. That we On the topics that we discuss. It's got to be a better way for me to say that. <laughs> we put you the can links. find the show links yes, there you uh, go. in the podcast. In the podcast. Yeah, AFR.net. You can uh, email us if you would like, addisons at AFR.net. And also, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do that as well. Uh, just uh, look up Airing the Addisons on Facebook and Airing Addisons on Twitter. So mm-hmm. uh, we would love to to uh, speak with you. Um, the Marriage Family Life Conference yes. is coming up in June. Yes. And registration is open. Registration is wide open. they coming in. It's wide open. Last year we had um, over 500 in attendance. Yes. And uh, this year we are expecting um, more than that. Yes, uh, we're very, very excited. Uh, what we try to do is prayerfully respond to what we see happening in the culture. We, we being the American Family Association, and so we have. Uh, this is the third year of the Marriage, Family, and Life Conference. So MFL twenty, mm-hmm. Marriage, Family, and Life twenty, and um, speakers include Laura Petherbridge. You remember we had Laura on. We were talking about mm-hmm. blended families, yeah, divorce and remarriage, and this is critically important in understanding. Um, how we respond as a church to the needs of the body of Christ. Dr. Right. Michael Brown will be with us. Frank Turek, Dr. Frank Turek will mm-hmm. be with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Abraham Hamilton III, mm-hmm. Dr. Alex McFarland, Dr. Miki Addison. <laughs> uh, no, too well, much. Yeah. too much. I mean, you no, could. I just felt like I just felt it was kind of <laughs> everybody had something <laughs> or Miki Addison the fifth. I don't know, just something. <laughs> everybody had something. They were not just, you know, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, Elizabeth Parker, uh, mm-hmm. Bishop E.W. Jackson, mm-hmm. and uh, John Euler. And so we're excited about this conference. We're going to be talking more and more about it as we get closer. Um, one of the biggest and best features of this conference um, in the last two years, this is the third year of it, has been the Youth Apologetics track. Yes. This is not babysitting. Right. We are very serious yeah. when it comes to equipping Christian kids to hold the line for their faith. Right. It's not just juice and crackers. This is not juice and crackers. You might get some of that, but, you know. No. <laughs> we, had, we had, the very first year we did the conference, we had Ryan Bomberger as one of, our, um, one of our speakers, one of our presenters, and as he was wandering through the halls and making his way around, he heard children talking to their parents about what they were learning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said to us, he said, I thought it was just babysitting. <laughs> He said, these kids are learning like defense of the faith type stuff. We were like, Ryan, yeah. Right. Like, of course, dude. Amen. Like, you know, I mean, I think we do a disservice to kids 
by saying, hey, guess what we have for you guys? Smoke and lights. <laughs> you guys ready for the pizza party? Come on, get out of here, man. <laughs> you know, it's like, you, it, no, we are entrusting the next generation with the gospel. Amen. We are handing something very sacred to them. And so that is what we want to communicate with the Marriage, Family, and Life Conference. So the Youth Apologetics Track has expanded this year mm -hmm. um, by popular demand. Mm -hmm. Uh, parents said, why does it stop? I think we did it till 12 or was it up to, up to 13? I think it was 13. up to 13. And so this year we're going up to 17. And right. of course, it'll be um, age appropriate sessions. Exactly. The, the younger kids are divided by their age group. And then the teenagers, this is the new track this year. Um, they will be in one class as teenagers. But while parents are in sessions, uh, kids are in sessions mm -hmm. <laughs> learning how to defend the faith. It's for the whole family. It's and for the whole and family. That's, and that's designed because we believe that, you know, you should be able to take your uh, children along with you to this conference and not have to feel like, well, I need to find a sitter. I need to find no bring them, you know, um, because we, we will have something for them uh, to learn as well. It won't, they don't, it won't just be sitting around. They won't just be, you know, but they'll be uh, learning apologetics and they'll be able to share with you what they've learned in oh, fact yeah, we've intentionally worked in those kinds of times in the conference where you can share with your kids and hear from them and, and get an understanding of what they're learning that's right um it just seems counterintuitive will the great to say hey i'm going to a conference to learn how to live more faithfully mm -hmm. um <laughs> but i need someone to keep my kids right i just don't, i don't know i mean i understand that there are certain you know situations where mm -hmm. no kids can't be there but no, generally speaking, I think if we are going to learn how to live for the Lord Jesus Christ in 21st century America, it's a family affair. Yeah. We've all got to learn how to do it. Yeah. And so anyway, you can talk to anyone who's ever been a part of the Marriage Family Life Conference. They've not been disappointed. Mm -hmm. um, we try to host the conference the way we'd want to attend a conference. Yeah. Yeah. So that means it's going to be kid friendly. Yes. Right. We don't get upset <laughs> when people come in with their families. Oh, we no. Welcome we welcome families. That. We want okay? that. Yeah. Um, that means it's going to we're <laughs> we're serious about what we're discussing. Yeah. So that means we're not bringing in pe people who are mealy mouth about the truth. No. Right. That means you're going to you're going to really get a response to what is happening in, in the culture today and how we can. By the way, the theme of the conference this year is in defense of truth, mm -hmm. in defense of truth. And so I hope that you'll make your plans to attend. You can learn more about the conference when you go to marriagefamilylife.net. Mm -hmm. marriagefamilylife.net your lunch is included with registration for two days we do that on purpose again we want to make this as cost effective as we can for people who attend that's right in addition to that we want to make sure that you don't have to leave campus leave the grounds to go anywhere so you have more time for fellowship more time for um, talking with the speakers that's another thing um, we don't do superstar conferences mm where people talk and then they duck out and mm. they go through black curtains. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? I mean, are we not brothers and sisters in the Lord? Like, what is that? Mm. And so what you will find, as has been the case in the last two years, um, is that everybody who is a part of the conference, they are there to mm -hmm. be a part of the conference. So there are times of fellowship where people are standing around and talking and visiting and growing together in the Lord. What our goal and our aim is, is to equip the body of Christ to stand in our generation. Amen. Amen. That's what we got to do. Amen. We have a precious faith, man, that people have lost their lives defending and protecting. That's right. And they were successful. How do we know they were successful? Because we got it. Yeah. It got to us. That's right. And so we can't drop the ball in our generation. We've got to make sure that the gospel gets intact to the next generation. That's right. And it's a little, you know, it's a little bit tougher. I would imagine 
you know, <laughs> I would imagine for our, our brothers and sisters in the faith who've gone on before us, they're like, okay, it's been tough for all of us. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like <laughs> everybody thinks it's always tough in their generation. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we believe that the Lord has left us fully equipped with all that we need that pertains to life and godliness. And so we've got a collection of people that um, we think are going to be a real blessing to you. The Marriage, Family, and Life Conference, June 25th through the 27th. That's right. June 25th through the Tupelo, 27th. Tupelo, Mississippi. Tupelo, Mississippi, the headquarters of the American Family Association. We also offer tours mm -hmm. of this organization. So when you come, if you want to schedule a tour, you just let us know and we make it happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's going to happen at Hope Church will be the location of the event in Tupelo, Mississippi. All of that information is available for you at marriagefamilylife.net. That's right. Marriagefamilylife.net. Um, you'll be hearing us talk about this a lot because, well, frankly, we're excited. Mm -hmm. All right. So anyways. Mm -hmm. All right. Moving on. Ray Comfort is going to join us in the next segment. Ooh. And right. I'm excited about that. Man. Um, I, I credit Ray Comfort with, well, like, and I'm not alone in this, you know <laughs> what I mean? He's <laughs> decades ago really helping us to understand, helping me to understand how to communicate the gospel succinctly mm -hmm. and how to make the case for Christ and the need for the, for the Lord Jesus Christ and the saving work of Jesus. Um, and to do that um, at a collegiate level, to really share that with my college friends, you know, when you're walking on campus, how do you get the gospel to people? And um, man, the way of the master, I think has, oh, has helped many a people yeah. understand how to, <laughs> But you have to, in your mind, when you talk up, when you walk up to somebody to talk to them about the Lord, you have to make sure that you don't do it with Ray Comfort's accent. <laughs> so by your own admission, right? <laughs> you're a lot of dirty, drunken cheat. <laughs> so if God were to judge you today, where would you go? <laughs> and it's like, Miki, why are you talking like that? Oh, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I went into way of the master funny. mode. <laughs> I'm sorry. But if you stand before God on Judgment Day. That's pretty good. Was that pretty good? I'm not going to do that for him. <laughs> no. There's no way. Don't do it. I would not embarrass my. <laughs> would never embarrass myself like that. Um, I don't that's know funny. if that's the best New Zealand accent. <laughs> that, um, that was better than what I would do, so yeah. good. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Anyway, we're going to talk to Ray Comfort today. Um, we're looking back 47 years of, uh, of Roe in this country. And um, 47 years 47 ago today, years. in a 7-2 decision, oh, um, my goodness. our country said, we can murder babies with impunity. And it's sad to think what that represent is lives lost. That's right. Nearly 62 million. Man. Nearly 62 million babies aborted uh, in the 47 years of Roe. And, um, and what, you know, I think, sadly, Man. people were deceived into believing that, um, you know, safe, legal, and rare Right. And, and the arguments not that rare at all, not rare, or safe not safe. <laughs> the only thing that they have going for them is that it's legal yeah, yeah, according whatever. to man's interpretation right. of the law. It is illegal um, according to the great judge. Yeah. Right. The, you know, and uh, anyways, but some of the arguments that we have heard over the last decades, you know, um, <laughs> what about rape and what about in the case of the mother and the health of the mother and all of these things. But um, one of the things that we know is when you look at the breakdown of who's getting abortions in this country, mm -hmm. those reasons that were supposed to be the most extenuating of circumstances are not the reasons. Mm. Uh, Four percent of abortions are performed because of the physical health of the mother. Four percent. Three, three. Yeah. Four percent. Three percent of abortions are performed because of fetal health problems. So they think that there is something wrong, mm. medically wrong with the baby and less than 0.5 percent 
of abortions are performed on people who are victims of rape. Mm-hmm. <sighs> when you think about that, mm-hmm. and then you compare it to the top three reasons mm-hmm. people get abortions, these were always the reasons. Th- right. This was the reason back in 1973. These, yeah. What I'm about to list, these were the reasons back in 19, 1973. 25% of abortions performed today are performed because the person is not ready for a child. Mm. These are the top three biggest breakdowns as why people are getting abortions. 25% not ready for a child. 23% can't afford a baby. 19% done having children. Mm. Notice that none of those <laughs> reasons denies the humanity of the person growing in the womb of the mother. Mm-hmm. None of those reasons. Right now, I want to say this. I know we're, we're um, headed to the break here, so I'm going to give a disclaimer. I should have given one before we're talking about abortion, but I've got wow. a story that I read this morning. And I thought that this story um, really kind of shines a light on how as Christians, we must understand the abortion debate. We cannot give over any ground. And this is a this is a graphic picture. So listener discretion is advised. OK, but just this morning, there is a um, story about a mother, a 22-year-old mother, who confessed to murdering her three young children, Mm. the oldest of which was three. Oh. Okay. So in Arizona, there is a 22-year-old mother named uh, Rachel Henry who murdered her three children. Now, listen to this. This This is horrific. There were other adults in the house, but she covered the murder by smothering one of the children, okay, and then the seven-month-old child, this would be the one-year-old or the two-year-old daughter, she smothered and then pretended that she was sleeping. The seven-month-old, she gave a bottle to and put her to sleep and smothered her in her sleep. The three-year-old son actually fought back as his mother straddled him and smothered him with a pillow. She brought all three of the children out to the sofa as if they were sleeping. The other adults there were like, what's wrong with the children? They called for emergency responders only later to learn that the mother has murdered all three of the children. The first responders who showed up had to take the rest of the day off. They were devastated because this mother had murdered her three children. Now, I want you to think about what we do every day in this country. We have legalized the murder of children. But this is jolting to us. Let's grab the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. You've been my He alone who owns the youth gains the future. Adolf Hitler deceived the youth of Germany. He deceived many within the traditional church, but most of all, he deceived the millions of Germans who believed his lie about the supremacy of the German race. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. 
That is a clip, short clip from the 180 movie that mm-hmm. was released, um, I want to say in 2011. Ray Comfort, I, I was going to joke because I know that he told, <laughs> he told our producer, he told Sherry that he's not a doctor. I think in one of the emails he was referred to as Dr. Ray Comfort. Mm-hmm. And because lying is a sin. Yes, If you've ever is. watched The Way of the Master, you know that. <laughs> a lying cheater by your own admission. Okay. Um, Ray Comfort has, has corrected us to making sure that no one calls him doctor. Whenever someone says he is not a doctor, then I always do this check. Wait, did we say that? Did some, So right, apparently right. somebody called him Dr. Ray Comfort. Um, Ray Comfort, are you there? Yes, I, I, I don't like being called doctor. I just prefer his holiness. If that's <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, okay, you beat me to it. I was going to say maybe it's prophetic. I don't know how you feel about that, but maybe it's just something that's, that's going, to, going to happen. Um, let me give you a formal introduction. We appreciate your work, mm-hmm. Ray Comfort. I mean, you know, to the body of Christ, you've been a tremendous blessing. Um, I feel like, and I don't say this, you know, to be, um, to, to, to puff you up or anything like that, but I think it's just true. I feel like so many of our listeners are going to recognize your name and be familiar with your work. Um, for many of us, myself included, we have been um, taught how to evangelize and how to share the truth with people in a way that is inescapable because of your commitment to evangelism and um, getting in those tough places and allowing Christians to kind of come in with you <laughs> and see um, that it's a hostile, it's a hostile job, it's a mm-hmm. hostile work, but it is, it's worth it because it's the Lord's work. So, um, but in the event, in the event that people are not familiar with Ray Comfort, let me just introduce you. Ray Comfort is the founder and CEO of Living Waters and the best-selling author of more than 90 books, including God Has a Wonderful Plan for Your Life, um, How to Know God Exists, and The Evidence Bible. He co-hosts the award-winning television program, Way of the Master, airing in every country in the world, and is an executive producer of 180, uh, evolution versus God, Audacity, and Seven Reasons. We're going to talk about uh, two of those films today. We're going to talk about 180 and Audacity. As you know, um, Ray, today we look back 47 years on mm. Roe versus Wade, yeah. where in our country um, there were seven people who believed that um, they knew better than God and that babies should be murdered in the womb. And we've had nearly 62 million babies murdered in the womb I would imagine that among these facts, and there probably are others, um, your heart was gripped by that, and so you guys undertook uh, the 180 movie. Can we talk about that? Yeah, that 180 movie was a mistake. It oh. was uh, an unplanned pregnancy. I, uh, <laughs> wow. I was, at a, I was at a local college uh, just going to witness the people, and I saw a guy with dreadlocks, and he looked very colorful character. So I went up to him, I said, but can I interview you? I want to talk to you about Nazi Germany. And uh, he said, yes. Yeah. So I switched my camera on. We went under a tree because it was very bright in the sunlight. And uh, we talked about Nazi Germany. And he was very cognizant of the whole um, um, Holocaust, which is amazing for this generation. He really knew Hitler was evil, and he spoke about the atrocities in Nazi Germany. And just out of the blue, I said to him, hey, uh, what do you think about abortion? And he says, that's a woman's right to choose. And I said, you're nothing but a Nazi. And we started a sword fight like you wouldn't believe for about five minutes. And then I said to him, well, tell me this. It's okay to kill a baby in the womb. When? And his face went blank. And then he got filled with anger and just stormed off in, in anger. And I followed him away with my camera and then clicked the button to turn the camera off. And I heard the camera come on. When I stepped out of the sunlight under the tree, I couldn't see the um, 
the camera because it was so bright, and I'd actually switched the camera off. Oh. And I missed out on an interview, and I just about died because, you know, I'm, I never do dumb things. And this was a really <laughs> dumb thing, and I didn't, didn't say anything to anyone for about uh, a week. But I thought, you know, that question stumped him. It's okay to kill a baby in the womb when... And so I went back and got more footage and, and found people change their minds about abortion simply because their conscience, which is the commandments written in stone on the human heart, comes forth. It's like Lazarus. It stinks. It's dead. But it comes forth out of that grave when you say, tell me when it's okay to kill. Yeah. And mm. the conscience can't say it's okay because written on there is it shall not kill. And also scripture even says if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. And so it was very powerful. And we realized it. You know, I'd, I'd started a movie called Hitler's Religion. We abandoned that and realized we had a pro-life movie, and uh, we're just thrilled to say it's coming up to something like 6 million views. And we yeah. gave away or sold over a million DVDs. And we've got pictures in our, our ministry of babies uh, that have been saved. Mothers send pictures of their little children saying, I watched 180 and changed my mind while I was wow. pregnant. Thank you for 180, and that's just thrilling for us. Wow. No, you know, I wonder because I went back to uh, watch again, and I think when 180 was done, was it seven years ago now? How long has it been? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Time just flies. It really does. The <laughs> days all kind of run together. But I went back to watch it again just to refresh myself on it. And, you know, there are some characters that really stand out, and there are some people that just you cannot get their responses out of your mind. But I'm wondering this. So when you guys did 180, and uh, I noticed that you did this in 180, and then you also did this in the Seven Reasons movie, when you get them to a place where they start to change their mind on abortion, and I mean, there are some powerful moments that I think our listeners just have to go and watch it. They're just, I mean, it's just inescapable that each person has this conscience that they cannot outrun. I'm wondering when you get to that point, why you thought that encouraging them to be pro-life in their vote was important. And, and was that because it was at the collegiate level that you were working? And, or what was the logic there? Yeah, you know, I, I am not a huge fan of um, President uh, Trump. I love him, pray for him, but he's just lacking a little bit here and there, a godly character, but he's pro-life. Mm -hmm. And nothing else matters. Fiscal policies, nothing matters to me like, being pro-life, and if a politician stands up and says, I'm for this, I'm for that, I can help financially, I kill babies in the womb, I don't want to vote for him. I don't mm -hmm. want blood on my hands. Mm -hmm. And that's how Hitler got it. And, and when you have leaders that, that uh, condone the killing of children in the womb, it's just horrific. I, I really do feel like I'm living in Nazi Germany. I feel very frustrated every day. And uh, I, I think uh, people who say, I've changed my mind, and I say to them, you're going to vote differently, that can make a difference. Every yeah. vote counts, and I think Christians need to step up to the plate and realize that we may not like the character of some of our politicians, and I, I think Trump is colorful and interesting, but, man, sometimes I've got to watch a speech and have to turn it off because he's cussing. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I don't, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't watch stuff with cussing. So uh, uh, my uh, Pence uh, is apparently a, a committed Christian, and that's wonderful. I think he's being salt and light in his position. But, uh, yeah, pro-life is very, very important to me. Yeah, no, and it's and Amen. it's really interesting though because not only were people's minds changed in in this film, um, but even it seems that their political views went right along with that. It seemed that it was a logical connection for them to make that if if I have a change of heart on this, then automatically I have to have a change of vote. Why do you think that's more difficult for some Christians to get? 
I really don't know. What, what I, I suspect is that a lot of the people that sit in pews aren't even Christians. They're just churchgoers. They're not born again. They've never said, God, not my will, but yours be done. Mm. You know, we've forgotten that, that someone becomes a Christian by going through a Gethsemane experience. They should sweat drops of blood at their own sinfulness and come out the other end saying, not my will, but yours be done. That's a Christian, someone who's given up the rebellion. And someone who says, I'm a Christian, I've named the name of Christ, but I kill babies in the womb and I advocate it. I, I, I'm very suspect of their so-called conversion. You know, Jesus spoke often about false converts. He called Judas a devil. He said, one of you is a devil. Judas was stealing money uh, from the uh, disciples, according to John chapter 12. He was a pretender, and we have a lot of people in that category. Jesus called them um, um, goats among the sheep. Foolish virgins among the wise, bad fish among the good. They stay among the, the church until the day of judgment when they're sorted out. They're called workers of iniquity, uh, lawlessness. They have no regard for the moral law. And uh, they need to be awakened because if we awaken every Christian or every person that sits in the pew and where they said, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? We would see this uh, nation turned around just by the vote. You know, there were a few um, powerful moments, obviously, um in you know, talking to these college students or talking to these young people about life and showing them the inconsistency in their views. And I couldn't help but think, um, and to your point, Ray, you know, I think we kind of confer upon people Christianity without doing like a test for that. You know what I mean? What does the Bible say? How does the Bible describe um, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? We don't usually do that. We usually base that off um, them going to church or, <laughs> frankly, being born in America. Well, you must be Christian, you know? But I, I couldn't help but think, some of these people who appear to be godless, you know, they appear to have no fear of God. Um, some of the responses that they gave to you and to your crew would be the response that some Christians would give to one another in conversations about life. So, for example, there's one girl, I'm thinking about the 180 movie specifically, and then we'll talk a little bit about Seven Reasons as well. But there's one girl, and I don't remember her name, but she's got the blonde pigtails, and she's kind of defending why she would um, bulldoze and, and cover up people who are being buried alive, you know, if her life were on the line. And she says, you know, I'm just one person. What could I do? And I'd want to save my life. Um, you know, and, she, and then she gets to the place where she's like, we would need more people to stand up. We would need like society or something. And I think to that you respond to her, but you are a part of society. You're, you know, you are a part of that collection of people. Do you think that Christians, and, and now let me say genuine Christians, who just have not allowed themselves to engage in the pro-life discussion, do you think they have a little bit of that sentiment? I'm just one person, what can I do? We all have that. You know, when I go out witnessing each day, I go out twice a day to a local college. I think to myself, I'm just one person, what could I do? But we're an army. There are literally millions of Christians throughout the world, and God knows them, those that are his. And remember in the book of Acts, um, I think God said to Elijah, don't you worry, I've raised up seven... Uh, thousand people that won't bow at the knee to Baal. So we're a we're a formidable army. We've got to remember that as Christians, we are salt and light. Mm -hmm. I love the ministry of John the Baptist. Uh, the church is like John the Baptist. Uh, he, he, you know, the moon reflects the light of the sun, and that's what the church is like. We're like reflecting the light of, of, of God. And he was called a burning and a shining light. But I love what he said. He was a voice in the wilderness, just one person, but he said, uh, prepare the way of the Lord. That's what I'm here for, to make his path straight. Every mountain should be brought low, every valley raised up. 
and there's a lot of people out there that, that uh, are in the darkness and we need to take the light to them. And if there's a valley that they're in or there's a mountain that's stopping them, the company of Christ, we've got to uh, remove it. And one of the most powerful ways to do that is to uh, show them their need of his mercy. You know, I, I, uh, I remember the saying, do we have a break coming up or anything? Uh, you got about two minutes before the break. Okay. Um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. That's just not true. All you have to do is salt the oats, and you'll make a horse drink. <laughs> just put that salt in there, and he'll get thirsty, and he's going to be drinking. Well, we can salt the oats with the gospel. All you do is proceed it with God's law. I like to say to people, what's more important to you in life? Uh, what's the most important thing? Is it your happiness, your personal happiness? And they say, yes, yes, it is. I say, well, I think there's something more important to you than happiness. If you found a wallet with $10,000 in it with the name of the person in the wallet, what would you do with it? And they say, well, I'd take it to the police station. You know, no, this is, your happiness is more important than righteousness, isn't it? They say, no, no, I've got to do the right thing. And I say, well, obviously, something more important than happiness, it's, your, it's righteousness, mm. doing that which is right. And without righteousness, the Bible says, will perish on the day of judgment. Riches profit not on the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And so... With the moral law, the Ten Commandments, we salt the oats. We make something, someone thirst for righteousness by showing them they've lied and stolen and look with lust that blaspheme God's name, and they're going to perish on the day of judgment. And they'll say, well, what shall I do to be made right? They begin to thirst for righteousness for the first time in their life, and that's when the gospel makes sense to them. Mm, you know, and, and just even listening to that, and of course, this makes sense to us as Christians. We understand that this is the way that we have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've come, we've come face to face with our own sin. We have realized that our own righteousness means nothing. Our own goodness, there's no such thing, right? And so, but here we are, and, and I want to get your take on this, Ray. I think that Christians are doing a terrible job in presenting the fact that there, there's none who does what's right. Like we kind of have this grace saturated culture where all we want to do is tell people they're okay and, and Jesus is just a good friend to have. Yeah, have you heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect? No, I haven't. Well, I'll tell you about it on the other side of the break because it's going to take about one or two minutes. Do, you, do we have time for him to get into it, Will? We can start, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Oh, let me start. Dunning-Kruger effect was in 1999, two psychologists discovered something very interesting. That is, people who are inept, they're not good at things, think they are good. They think they can jump higher, run faster, and sing better than they can. I was like this when I was 13. I came home from school with my hymn book in my hand, and I turned on a tape recorder, and I sung into it, played it back, and it was so horrible, if I'd done it down the beach, the tide wouldn't have come in. It was just, I haven't sung in public for the last 50 years. My wife is the only one that ever hears me sing, because I can't sing. It's not my gifting. And we're exactly the same morally. We think we're morally better than what we are. Mm -hmm. And it's like the rich young ruler came running to Jesus and said, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, in Mark 10, verse 17, reproved his understanding of the word good. He says, There's none good but God. So when we show people God's standard of goodness, that it's moral perfection and thought, word, and deed, they have a contrast between their goodness and God's goodness. And that, that's what brings the knowledge of sin when you do what Jesus did in Mark 10, verse 17, and take them through the moral law. Mm, yeah, no, that's so good. And, you know, I think we, we think we're doing ourselves a favor by deceiving people. We wouldn't call it deception. Today, I think we might call it love. But, I mean, love is not precious and it's not dear to us if we don't understand what is unlovable. 
And I think that's what we're often keeping people from. All right, Ray, I want to grab a break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the movie Seven Reasons. And even some of these reasons are regurgitated by Christians today in the culture. And we talk about defending and protecting life. Uh, we've got to put an end to it. Ray Comfort, founder and CEO of Living Waters. We'll take the break and we'll come right back. Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Stay close. okay to kill a baby in the womb when when that's a tricky question it's kind of difficult when so after three weeks one day the heart begins to beat yeah is it a baby then yes so finish this question for me will you it's okay to kill a baby in the womb when? When? Wow, oh, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, um, I would say, I would say, hmm. So it's a baby in the womb? Yeah. Okay, finish the sentence for me, Brian. It's okay to kill a baby in the womb when? Um, it's not really my... Yeah, I don't even know how to answer that. You know what's happening? Your God-given conscience is saying to you it's wrong to kill a baby in the womb. And that's why you can't say it's okay. You know it's wrong. Your mother didn't abort you. You're, you're a separate human being from your mother's body. Even when you're in the womb, you're a living entity created by God in His image. Because written on your heart is the words you shall not kill. And you know intuitively that it's wrong to kill a baby in the womb, even though full society says that you know as a human being you shouldn't say that. So conscience is very strong. The word conscience actually means with knowledge. Con is with, science is knowledge. So God's given you knowledge of right and wrong. You know it's wrong to lie and steal, commit adultery, blaspheme, and it's wrong to murder. Welcome back. Mm-hmm. Man, I, you know, it just never gets old to, to see and to have confirmed for us the truth of what God has already said about what he has done yeah. in the heart, in the mind, in the conscience of humankind, that the Lord has left evidence of himself, you know, that, that man is truly without excuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. You just listened to a clip from uh, Seven Reasons. And wow. I believe Ray Comfort is our guest, by the way, um, if you're just joining us. Ray, can our listeners go to YouTube and watch both of those films? Yes, we've uh, gone on our YouTube channel, just put Living Waters YouTube or Ray Comfort uh, on YouTube. Uh, our channel just passed over 100 million views the other day, wow. and we walk around the ministry just shaking our heads, saying how wonderful this, this is, because you have to go back, you know, 20, 30 years, when they had large crusades that took two years to get all these churches to combine for a combined church crusade, cost millions of dollars. And, you know, when you've got 70,000 people in the stadium, probably fifty to 60,000 are 
Christians anyway, it's combined churches. But with this, with YouTube on the Internet, we're able to just push a button and millions of people come under the sound of the gospel. And it's not like they've got some sweaty preacher with a loose tie pointing their finger at them. They're like a fly on the wall uh, listening to the gospel be shared with other people. And one thing I've noticed about my dog, his bristle, his hair goes up on him when he sees a cat. You know, when he sees a, a hawk, he goes wild. But when he sees another dog, it's like... It's one of my species. doesn't matter whether it's a chihuahua or a Great Dane. He immediately, and I haven't trained him to do this, he immediately recognizes his own kind, and he loves looking at them. And we're exactly the same. We love people watching, looking mm-hmm. at how people react, the size of their ears, the size of their, <laughs> the color of their eyes, how they react to this. And really, there's an elephant in the room stomping on the whole of humanity. It's death. It's coming on all of us, and nobody talks about it. Mm-hmm. But we talk about it on our YouTube channel, and people find it fascinating because they can listen in and have their, the depths of their fears addressed as we ask people, are you afraid of dying? And hear them say, yeah, I'm terrified. And I say back, we all are. And the Bible says in Hebrews 2 that we are haunted by the fear of death all our lifetime and explain to them why we die, because we've sinned against God. The wages of sin is death, and God has provided the answer through the gospel, and it's, uh, it can be very powerful, and it's a wonderful means to reach people. Amen. Yeah, I had a question just uh, pertaining to the whole uh, abortion issue. You know, there's been a lot of, uh, uh, some would say victories, as far as, like, uh, getting incremental change, you know, this ban and that ban. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that as opposed to, you know, having a, a mindset or a heart to see abortion abolished totally? Because it seems like when you talk about abolishing abortion, you know, that seems as radical uh, today, even for people who will say that they're pro-life. Yeah, when you realize that it's not a fetus in the womb, I mean, the whole life, a woman's been having a baby. I've never walked up to any woman and said, here, you're having a fetus. When's your fetus coming out? You know, you're having a baby. When's, when's, is it a he or a she? And so what Hitler did is, is, with Nazi Germany is they said that the Jew was not human. And they had a propaganda minister, and they just kept saying, they're not human, they're not human. We can get rid of them and not feel bad about it. And so just as we would abolish the Holocaust, we wouldn't want that to ever happen again. Mm-hmm. We've got to have the same attitude toward abortion because these are human beings. Mm. These are, are tiny human beings that are being cut to pieces and ripped out of the womb and all because of the love of money. You know, uh, when you look at uh, the abortion industry, you say, why are people so zealous? They're like maniacs or religious mm-hmm. zealots, pro-life screaming at people that, sorry, pro-abortion, people that are pro-life, they're enemies, they yell at them, and it's because there are billions of dollars yes. at stake with this industry, and it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Yes. You say to a doctor, you know, if in, in 10 minutes or whatever, you can make $2,000 interested. If, if he doesn't fear God, he's going to be tempted. I mean, it's, especially if he says it's not a baby, it's just a fetus. Uh, so what we, I think what my agenda is, or no, I think my agenda is uh, to preach the gospel and see the gospel change the hearts of people. Because when I became a Christian, the second I was born again, I was pro-life. The mm. second I was born again, I was one man, one woman in marriage. Whatever God loved, I love. Whatever God hated, Amen. I hated. And that's the answer for this nation. We can't put the horse before the cart. Sorry, we can't put the cart before the horse. We've got to have it the right round. Gospel first, and that's the train, and it pulls the carriages of uh, a love of righteousness. 
Yes, I, I agree with you. And I think that when we focus in that direction, when we think in terms of morality and immorality, I think that there's really no space for some of the arguments that we hear coming from Christians. I mean, Ray, we will, um, we will hear Christians say things like, well, I am pro-life, and this is covered in seven reasons. So if you could just kind of, you know, walk with me through that. But there, you will hear Christians say, I am pro-life, but, you know, Roe is the law, and I don't think it's my place to tell a woman what she should and shouldn't do. I think we should be loving. We should try not to condemn people. Now, you know, I don't think it's right to kill a baby, but it's not my place to say anything. How do we respond to that? Well, if you saw a child drowning or a child, I remember the analogy, if there's a child in a car, the mother's gone into a store, the windows are up, it's a very hot day, and you know that baby's going to die. So what would you do? you say, I'd smash the window of that car, and I'd grab that child and pull it out. And say, but you wouldn't do the same thing with a baby that's going to be killed in the womb. Of course you want to preserve that life. Of course you should do it. It's your duty as a human being. You don't just walk the other way and leave a child to die in a car. And you don't just walk the other way when some woman, woman's going to kill a child. Um, you know, the analogy of the Holocaust is very powerful. And so someone who says, look, I, I, I don't think it's right to uh, abort, but I just can't impose it on other people. I think people have the right to make their own choice. That's like saying... You know, I don't think it's right that the Nazis killed Jewish families, but I don't have the right to tell a Nazi what to do. Mm -hmm. If he feels it's okay for, to kill that family, then it's okay. Of course you have a right. Everything within you should scream, should scream don't kill that family and don't kill that baby. And uh, that's why every Christian should uh, vote uh, against abortion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we've just disconnected ourselves yeah. from the reality of what we're discussing. And, and I think in part... It's because of some of the terminology, you know, I, I shared recently where we have we have five kids. And so I was talking to the older three about abortion and that in this country, um, you know, it is legal according to our laws, the laws of our nation, that babies can be murdered. And my 11 year old daughter said, maybe we need to stop calling it abortion so that people are reminded what we're really talking about, that mm -hmm. we're talking about the murder of babies. I think um, some somehow we've gotten lost in in the terminology. What do you think about that, Ray? Yeah, I, I used terminologies the other day that I sort of thought, well, hey, that works. I just said to a guy, are you pro-life or pro-death? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. he didn't argue with it. Mm -hmm. I said, are you for the life of the baby in the womb, or do you think it should be killed? And really is the issue, and, and you're right, we need to be careful in our terminologies and don't accommodate the murder of children in the womb. I think murder needs to be, uh, uh, needs to be labeled as murder. And, uh, and go hand in hand with the gospel and talk about the fact that to kill a baby in the womb is to sin against God um, and take them through those commandments and bring the knowledge of sin. Uh, as I said, we don't want to uh, <clears throat> just uh, leave someone pro-life and still heading for hell. And I think that's one of the biggest issues. We, we live in a day and age where the church has forgotten about hell. Many of our uh, best preachers, our most popular preachers, should I say, should have been uh, motivational speakers because that's all they are. Mm. They're not sons of thunder, mm. not men of righteousness, thundering the commandments from the pulpit and putting the fear of God in the heart of their congregation. You say, what? Putting the fear of God? What sort of thing is that? Well, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Mm. That's what the Bible says. And if you don't fear God, you're not wise. And the scriptures also say, also say through the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. And so people aren't going to depart from evil if they don't fear God. And so you need to go back and say to people, Look, you're, you're, you think it's okay to kill a baby in the womb, but did you realize 
If you get anger without cause, you're in danger of judgment. Mm. If you hate your brother, you're a murderer. So how much more, if you advocate the murder of a baby in a womb or take the life of a baby in a womb, are you going to anger God and you have to face them on judgment day? And <clears throat> let the person know that you're fearful for them. You know, often I say to people, uh, are you concerned that if you die today, you'd end up in hell? And they say, no. I say, well, I am deeply concerned. I love you. I care about you. Mm-hmm. And the thought of death seizing upon you today and God giving you justice and you being damned in hell takes my breath away. It's a horror beyond words. You're a human being. I love you and care about you. So realize how valuable you are, how, how your life is more valuable than your eyes. And you wouldn't give it up for anything. And you're saying, I don't care if I'm damned and God takes from me everything that's wonderful about life, the blueness of the sky, the sound of birds singing, the sound of music, the taste of foods, love and laughter and family and all these wonderful things. If God takes them from you because you were a rebel that hated him and used his name as a cuss word, you should be deeply concerned. So, mm. you know, I think sinners need to feel love in our tone. And once they detect that, uh, that speaks more than a, the, a thousand sermons. You know, Ray, I have, and I'll, I'll, I know I want to let you go here in just a second, but I, I have wondered something for a very long time, and I think this just might be the first time that I've ever interviewed you, um, but I, I'm, I'm wondering about the role of the Holy Spirit in the work that you do, and, and I'll explain what I mean, not that it needs explanation, the question that is, but I know that there is a little bit of a sort of a system to, you know, showing people the law, showing people that they have transgressed the law, that they need a savior, that if not, they stand judged and condemned. Um, But at the same time, as I have watched your work over the years and as we've used it even in training and evangelism, I know that there is also a work of the Holy Spirit. And I feel like at moments I've seen you respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit, even though there's a system and even though you know where you're going and you understand and know the gospel fully, there is still that work of the Holy Spirit to soften the human heart um, to draw them to the truth, and you seem to be able to pinpoint those moments. It doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. Yeah, I'm, all, I'm cognizant of the whole thought that Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. Amen. And I don't want to do nothing. And so I pray about everything. When I'm riding my bike, I've got this uh, electric bike that I twice a day go around to. I take my dog, by the way. My dog's <laughs> wearing sunglasses, and yes. he sits on the bike on a little platform, and you know, I, I, when I, I get more attention than the presidential motorcade, women call out to me. <laughs> As I go past, women almost every day call out, how cute! And I say, yes, yeah, so is the dog. <laughs> and, uh, and it endears, you know, you see a dog wearing sunglasses, and I'm wearing sunglasses, students come up to me, and I've got immediate friends. Hi, I love your dog. And they say, can I pat him? And they say, what's his name? I say, oh, it's vicious. And I say, no, it's not, it's Sam, as they're patting him. And, and I get to know them. I say, would you come on camera? I'd like to ask you if you think there's an afterlife. And my dog has been the bait when I go fishing for men. Mm. Um, but it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity. And I do, you're right, I do see every now and then you go like, wow, that's got to be the Lord. Because um, Jesus said, no man comes to the son unless the father yes. draws him. So I know that um, every, every time I share the gospel, it's the power of God to salvation, but it's still dead letter if God isn't. Um, present. And so I'm looking to him to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. And that's what I preach, like Paul preached, sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. Or as Felix um, heard from the mouth of the Apostle Paul, uh, he preached temperance, righteousness, and judgment to come. And Felix trembled. And so it's good to see people tremble because fear is doing its duty. It's a fearful thing to form the God's hands. And when someone becomes fearful, 
and say, hey, that, fr- that fear is your friend, it's not your enemy. Mm-hmm. Listen to it. The reason you put on a parachute is because you're fearful of the jump without it. And so fear can be your friend and drive you to the foot of the cross. And so we can be a fear today. You have sinned against God and you need a savior. Ray, Ray Comfort, everybody. Mm. Praise Thank you God. so much. We appreciate you. And, and when I say we, I mean the body of Christ. Thank Amen. you for what you have done to help us uh, more effectively advance the kingdom. We really do appreciate it. Ray Comfort, founder and CEO of Living Waters. The movies we've discussed today, 180 and 7 Reasons. You can find those on YouTube. I encourage you to go check it out. And again, we'll have links in the podcast notes so you'll, you'll have that in front of you. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.